Today we celebrate the feast day of the Holy Family. And we think about what this young family was facing with their struggles and challenges, especially in the very early years of Jesus. First of all, there's an unexpected pregnancy. There's going to be a divorce, and then an angel intervenes. And then they travel to Bethlehem for the census. Now, this is a treacherous seven-day journey for them. You can't just, they, they weren't able to just get in the car and drive the two and a half hours or three hours that you can do that today from Galilee to Bethlehem. Even today, it's, it's quite treacherous as you're journeying along the West Bank. But in the time of um, the birth of our Lord, going from Galilee to, to Jerusalem and Bethlehem was, was quite a task. You know, Galilee sits at 600 feet below sea level. And since they could not travel through Samaria, because the Samaritans and the Jews, they were, they were rivals and, and, and in many ways enemies, so it was, it was very dangerous to travel through the, Samaria, uh, the region of Samaria. So Joseph and Mary had to travel down the Transjordan Valley to Jericho, which is 1,200 feet below sea level. And then they had to hang a right and go up the mountain. And they had to go through a pass, which becomes very narrow at certain places. And it's very dangerous because that's where robbers and thieves and thugs and criminals would hang out and wait for people passing through. And they would rob them and beat them up. And then they had to ascend to Jerusalem, which is 2,600 feet above sea level. So if you do the math, you realize they had to rise in elevation about 4,000 feet, almost and then they had to go to Bethlehem. So it was not an easy journey. Just, just that alone was very difficult. And then they get to Bethlehem and there's no room for them at the inn. And the child is born in a stable, in a manger, in a cave. And the child is surrounded by shepherds and magi talking about visions of this newborn king. Then they present the child in the temple, and Simeon raises his child up, said, this is the fulfillment of all the prophets. This is the hope of Israel right here before us. My eyes are seeing it. And then they have to flee to Egypt to escape Herod's wrath. And on top of this, Mary and Joseph are responsible to raise the Son of God. So they're going through quite a few difficulties and challenges, if you think about it. I'm sure there's a lot of stress, a lot of difficulty and anxiety and, and fear and certainty. You have to ask the question, how did, how did Joseph and Mary overcome this, these obstacles? And I believe the answer is they listened to and trusted in the living word of God. Now, families today face many challenges, many difficulties and many uncertainties as well. A little bit different from what Mary and Joseph were going through. Today, many of the challenges include things like materialism, this, this focus on possessions instead of people. And a lot of people in our world have forgotten that we're called human beings and not human doings. They focus so much on what a person can do or what they have instead of who they are. We also see the threat of secularism people trying to ignore God in society or just completely deny God and, and rid society of God completely. We also see a lot of indifference 
when it comes to defining marriage, gender, and family. A lot of people today, there's a lot of people, a lot of Catholics, a lot of Christians, they've just become indifferent. They'll say, well, you can do whatever you want to do. That's fine. That's indifference. That's indifference. A lot of people think that that's just getting along. No, that's indifference. And it's a plague in our society right now. And there's a, a great attack on marriage and family today. It's incredible. It's, it's coming from all people, all institutions, all organizations. And we see this, unfortunately, we're even seeing this in many levels of, our, of government, in our state, in our nation. This attack on marriage, this attack on family. You know, a lot of people, they, they wonder why the world is a mess, especially why is our nation a mess right now? It's pretty easy to, to determine the reason, the cause for that. You just go back a couple decades and you see how the state and federal government started decreasing the, the, the emphasis on, a, on the Christian family. And started taking a lot of these, these responsibilities, these tasks of parents away from them. And slowly demeaning and devaluing the family. Have other institutions, other governments start doing this stuff for the husband and for the wife instead. There's a tremendous attack on marriage and family from the government, from the media, from institutions, from corporations, and from individuals. So how do families today overcome this? I think it's just in a similar way how the Holy Family did. And this morning's readings, they're, they're absolutely incredible. We hear from Ben Sirach. Ben uh, Sirach. Ben is uh, the name for son. So Ben is the, Ben Sirach, he was the son of Sirach. And he's writing this letter probably in northern Egypt near Alexandria about 150 years before the birth of our Lord. So this is one of the last books to be written in the sacred scriptures before Jesus is born. And Sirach, uh, the book of Sirach, Ben Sirach, is, is part of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. And in this, uh, Ben Sirach writes about the importance of many virtues and qualities in strengthening a family. First of all, he talks about honor. He says, honor will atone for sins. And he says, the person who honors will be preserved from sin and their prayers will be answered and they'll live a long life. He also talks about kindness. And he talks about reverence. He says, those who revere their mother will be blessed. And he talks about obedience and respect. And he, sa he says that these will bring comfort to the mother. And then he goes on to talk about even caring for the elderly, even when they lose their mind. Even when they lose their mind, we are to care for the elderly. According to Ben Sirach. And then we heard in the, in the psalm, the psalmist praying or singing, when we fear the Lord, when a family fears the Lord, the family will be blessed and will become prosperous. We have to understand that this is, uh, this is filial fear. This is not servile fear. Servile fear is the fear that a, a slave has uh, from a master, afraid of being beaten or tortured if they, if they misbehave. Filial fear, coming from uh, the Latin for son, it's, uh, it's the fear that a child has of offending 
a parent because of the great love that the parent has. And that's the type of fear that we're called to have, filial fear, not, not servile fear. And a, and a, and a, it's a coincidence, or no coincidence, I should say, that, that if you think about types of contrition, imperfect contrition is a, it's a servile type of fear, right? You're saying to God, I'm sorry because I fear hell. <laughs> I don't want to burn up for eternity. But perfect contrition, it's a filial fear. It's saying, God, I'm sorry for offending you. I'm afraid of offending you because of your great love for me. So the psalmist is talking about a filial fear. And he says that this type of fear will lead to respect and acknowledging dignity and compassion for others. And then we go to uh, the second reading from Paul um, writing to the Colossians. He gives it an incredible litany that can help any family. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving, loving above all else. And he says that these will lead to peace. And he also talks about the importance of admonishing the sinner, right? Admonishing somebody in the family who's sinning and doing this out of love. No, not out of hatred, but if you truly love somebody, you're going to admonish them and say, get out of that sin because it's going to kill you eternally. And he also talks about the importance of being grateful. And at the very end of the reading, which we heard, he gives very specific and, and practical directions to, to the husband, to the wife, and to the parents and how they're to, to interact and behave towards each other. So if you're looking for a recipe to improve your family life, if you're looking for a good plan to strengthen your, your marriage and your family, look no further than today's readings. Go back through the readings and read them. And take a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and write down what jumps out at you. I brought out just a few of the points, just a few of the virtues and the qualities which these, which these readings are talking about. Read through them and write these down and, and think about and pray about how is this going to help my family life? I guarantee, I guarantee this will improve your family. Another way in which families can improve their family life is through the, uh, the sacraments, especially of, of uh, Eucharist and reconciliation. There's really nothing better that's going to help uh, your spiritual life and your family's spiritual life. They're very important. In fact, I include them in, in the marriage preparation process. If a young couple comes to me I give them a list of five things, the five things they, that they agree to do. And the Eucharist and the reconciliation are, are part of those. And I, and I tell them, think about this, talk about it, pray about it, and get back with me. And if you, accept, if you accept it, then I'll prepare you. But if not, I will help you find somebody else. I'll help, some, I'll help you find somebody else to prepare you for, for the sacrament of holy matrimony, because I don't want you to ruin my, my average. It's pretty high right now. I say, you know, if, if you're not willing to engage the process and to put some effort into it, you're going to be divorced in two or three years, and I'm not going to be part of it. I'm not going to enable that. I'll help you find somebody else who will. And so sacraments, they're very, very important. I can't remember if I've told this story. I, one of my mentors, uh, Father Lee Hightower, who died a few years ago, he was always telling stories. He was an Irish priest from, from uh, Butte. He called Butte the Emerald of the West. I don't know why, but he called Butte the Emerald of the West. 
And he would tell stories all the time. And I heard some of his stories like 20 or 30 times. And I never interrupted him and said, Father, I've heard this story 30 times. But I wondered why he told the stories all the time. And now I know why, because I'm a priest and I, I can't remember which ones I've told. So I'm going to start taking a, making a list. Okay, I've told the people at St. Anthony's this story on this day. So they, didn't get, they don't get tired of it. But anyways, an incredible story, or summary of stories. I visited so many people on their deathbed, whether it be in hospice, at the hospital, in their home, in a nursing home. I visited many people who are dying. And often I'll get there and, and um, the family and, the, and the, the doctors don't know why the person is still living. They just don't know why. The doctors say, I, there's no reason why the person uh, shouldn't already be dead. I mean, clinically speaking, I, I don't know why they're, they're still alive. And I'll ask the family, I'll say, is, is your loved one waiting for somebody to come? They'll say, oh yeah, they're wait, waiting for Uncle Billy to come from Chicago. And Uncle Billy comes and he shows up and uh, then the person will die minutes or hours later. I've seen this quite often. You know, somebody will be waiting for a person to come before they die. I've never, ever visited somebody and they're waiting for their bank account statement to be brought in. Or their kitty cat or the keys to their car, or their bowling trophy, or their Employee of the Year award. I've never, ever seen anybody wait for a thing to be brought to them. But I have seen on many occasions people waiting for somebody to be brought to them. You know, the importance of family, the importance of people over possessions. And some people, they learn this very on in life, or very early on in life, while other people, they learn this very important lesson towards the end of their life. And it's very sad when they don't learn it early on. There's great dignity and worth and value in families in the modern world. The popes have emphasized this for decades. John Paul, he talked about how the, the family is the building block of society. And if the family crumbles, if the family falls apart, there goes society with it. And that's what we're seeing right now. The foundation, the building block of society here in this great nation is crumbling. If you look at how many broken families are out there, and it's causing everything else, all the other problems. Living a faithful Catholic family life is not easy, and it will require a radical commitment Radical intentionality, radical decision-making. We're, we're way past the time of making small changes. Because if you make a small change in your family life right now, well, guess what? The tidal wave of society and culture and government and institutions and corporations trying to change your family the other way is just going to drown you out. You're trying to make a little ripple. Well, the tsunami's coming. And you have to counter that tsunami with your own tsunami. Make radical decisions. I've talked a lot about family prayer. And if you're not having family prayer, once again, prayer before meals is not family prayer. It's not. You won't be able to convince me of it. 
You have to have a family prayer apart from the 17 seconds before meals. If you're not praying as a family, start tonight. Decade of the Rosary, two and a half minutes, super easy. If you don't have an intention, pray for your family, pray for your relatives. If you think they're good, pray for me. But it's important for you to pray for your family, as a family. It starts there. Then you can make these other practical changes too. You know, like eating, eating meals as a family. There's still a lot of families out there. They don't eat together. You know, they're all in front of the TV or computer or whatever. Eat at least one meal today as a family together. And there's many other practical uh, ways you can, you can strengthen your family, especially as I mentioned before through you know, taking your family to the Sacrament of Reconciliation and taking them to Holy Mass. Today is called Holy Family Sunday. It's not called Perfect Family Sunday. The life of Mary and Joseph and Jesus was not perfect. Think of what they went through. Think of what they were going through. Their situation was far from optimal. It was not perfect. But they were holy. And we too are called not to perfection, but instead to holiness. I'll end with the collect for the Mass. The collect is the, it's called the collect because it's collecting the, the themes of the readings and the other prayers for Mass, collecting everything into one prayer. So pay very close attention the next time you go to Mass to the opening prayer, the collect, because it's a, really the summary of the entire Mass, which you're going to participate in. Listen very closely to this collect. O oh God, who are pleased to give us the shining example of the Holy Family, graciously grant that we may imitate them in, in practicing the virtues of family life and in the bonds of charity. And so, in the joy of your house, delight one day in eternal rewards. Praise be Jesus Christ. Yeah.